we're shifting gear. We're getting into the second hour and uh, the metric results, as I said, are about to come out. And the question of career choice uh, is one that besets anybody who was in metric and is uh, plotting their future. And the world's economies and industries are evolving rapidly as a result of the advancement of technology. So when you choose a career... Is it according to passion or remuneration? What is your biggest consideration? And uh, for those that have been through the system, how did you choose your career? So let's talk the issue of what should influence our career choices with Dr. Um, Linda Mayer, Career and Education uh, Specialist. Dr. Linda, thank you for your time this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. So, I mean, what are the factors to consider even now when, uh, you know, uh, people have to make a career choice? Are people more inclined towards choosing what they love or is it overly influenced by how much money that uh, career pays? Well, at the moment, it, it depends whether somebody is at an entry level position and really starting off their career. And we find that Often people have to take uh, positions that are not necessarily what they studied. They just need to get a foot in the door so they can get some experience. But certainly when we look at people in their mid and later career where people even change jobs, the primary driving factor uh, in, in a later career is something, and we see people changing careers completely, going from studying a law degree and then moving into law. So that passion about what the remuneration is what it is that I want to do, and then the reality of the situation where I find myself is a culmination of the factors that that then influence where the person is working at that particular point in time. So when we talk of the reality of the situation, we also have to be cognizant of where it is that we are, right? We are in South Africa and we have a an astronomical unemployment rate and it affects particularly young people. Should that be influencing career choices? Should you be, um, as a young person, looking at, well, uh, as much as there's a high level of unemployment, it looks like in this particular sector, irrespective of what the economy looks like at any in, at any given time there's always an intake or a big intake of uh, uh, of, of of careers absolutely so if we look at the technology environment that's obviously a rapidly growing environment uh, the hospitality sector uh, also growing the retail sector so important for those people that are choosing to go into a particular field to study what the labor statistics say and if you go into stats is a you'll see which economy uh, segments are growing exponentially. So that is an important factor. And if we look at the youth unemployment, uh, you know, sitting over uh, well over 50%, the second highest in the world. But if we look at our graduate unemployment rate, people with degrees have a much better chance of getting a job. It's only, you know, sitting at around 15%. So the investment in your education cannot be overstated but certainly looking at high growth areas, but also where jobs are going. It doesn't mean because a job uh, is the way that it is now that it will be the same in five years. We we see that a lot of jobs are falling away. AI is taking a lot, a lot of positions away, but the human factor jobs where people have to engage with uh, people, the caregiving jobs, the uh, medical science jobs, those positions, really are just evolving and it's important that you keep abreast of the developments 
that are taking place in that particular sector. You made reference uh, in one of your responses to what you call a later career. What does uh, a later career mean? At what point does it start? And can you start doing one completely different thing and go to another extreme later on in your life? Absolutely. So we, we get what we colloquially refer to as a side gig, and then we get people that really sit down and start studying because they feel around about 34, 35, or even a little bit older that they want to do something completely different. Maybe they want to go into teaching. Maybe they want to become a lawyer. Maybe they want to go into the healthcare profession. Or maybe they want to do this business that they started as a sideline, baking cakes or you know, pickled vegetables or whatever it may be that they then want to move into that full time. The important thing with that is to remember that you must be earning, if it's a side gig, you must earn equivalent to your current salary for at least six months before you go down that route full time. And there's nothing wrong with building your career um, in this secondary environment whilst you're in your primary environment as you transition for that. If you're going to study and become a lawyer, I mean, that could take you five or six years. So important to plan for what that's going to be. So it also sounds like there's a degree of flexibility in the first place you have to have about the, you know, the potential of your career, because your career is seeming is clearly a living thing that can continuously change over time. Absolutely. So so we get people that really they decide what their job is and their job for them is to earn an income. Mm. For other people, their job is to earn an income, but they really want to get huge life satisfaction out of it. Mm. And, mm. and there's nothing wrong with either one. You just need to pick for yourself where you are located and be happy with that environment. If you're in a stressful work environment um, and you're not doing what you love to do, if you wake up every morning and you're struggling to get up, you absolutely hate what you're doing, You need to have a plan for your future because it's not good for your mental health Mm. to be in an environment that is toxic. Uh, You know, there's all of these other peripheral issues that that influence your happiness and your psychological well-being at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I grew up in an era where people used to say a lot of that line, uh, do a job you love and you'll never have to work a single day in your life. So where is passion in these times in terms of how, you know, people make a determination about where their career should or is going? Well, the important thing about passion is that you must like your job. You must like what you're doing. You might your passion might be outside of your work environment. So, you know the 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 old saying of, you never have to work a day in your life. We all have to work a day in our lives, mm. no matter what it is that we're doing, because there's difficult days every day. Mm-hmm. But you must be at least satisfied uh, with getting up and and doing that every day. The issue about where your passion is and passions change, as we know, as you get older, different things interest you, different. Uh, you know, different, you get different things that stimulate you. And if you can make a career out of that, if you can generate income from that, uh, that's, that's okay. You know, that's, it doesn't have to be the thing that you go to the office for every day, but just to have a clear idea of what it is where you are going in your life journey Mm. is the most important thing. Some people want to be CEOs. Some people want to be MDs. Others are quite happy. Uh, you know, doing administrative positions and going home to their family because that is what their passion and their drive is. 
and them baking cakes or uh, being in their social clubs is really what brings their passion. And uh, and we need to also evolve with time. Yeah. Uh, to say that people, you know, not all of us can be radio presenters. We all would love <laughs> to be radio presenters, uh, but but that's not the reality of the situation. But having an opportunity, for example, to have a social club where you are leading particular programs, yeah. that 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 could be passionate for you as well. So, I mean, it's 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 quite interesting that you bring the issue of uh, psychological wellness because, again, there was a time when people would be like, tough it up, you know. Uh, nobody goes to, uh, to, to work to have a good time. you know, uh, we're going to work is bound to affect you uh, in a negative way in one way or the other. But it looks like there's a shift in that people are now saying, if I go there and it affects my mental health, my well-being, then it's not a job I should even do in the first place. Absolutely. So we must be realistic. The worst thing you can do is just pack your bags and leave a job because at the end of just leaving, you have to pay the bills at the end of the month. Many of us have children. We have family obligations. You need to have a plan. And your plan might be that you're going to do a few of these free, wonderful online courses through Harvard X, edX, Coursera, and get your skills level up. And you're going to start applying for other jobs. So have a plan to get out of that toxic environment. Don't just up and leave, because that will bring you more and further frustrations. Uh, not you know, a lot of people are paycheck away from being uh, on the street. They yeah. have to pay their bills at the end of the month. Not everybody has saved. They have that six-month safety cushion. Yeah. So for your psychological and mental well-being, decide, make a decision that you're, I can't stand this anymore and I have a plan. I'm yeah. going to do A, B, C, D. And remember, as much as you're dealing with this toxic thing, look at your, your, your uh, physical health. Make sure that you walk even if it's 10 minutes a day, that you start doing things like sleeping better, not sitting in front of the screen all the time, because those things negatively and detrimentally impact uh, further your your uh, unhealthy mental state. It just drags you down even further. So have small steps, these micro elements that you put in place so that you can get out of that situation. Yeah, we are having a conversation around what influences our career choices with Dr. Linda Mayer, who is a career and education specialist. And if you want to ask a question or comment, please call on our line 86 0080 or you can send a WhatsApp on 061-410-4107. In terms of skilling, right, uh, because people are continuously uh, told to upskill them themselves, continuously upskill yourself, learn, uh, you know, uh, do a course, learn something that you previously didn't know. But there's soft skills and hard skills. What's the difference and how often do we need to upskill in both? 
So we need to upskill in both uh, all the time. So the first thing about soft skills is those are, are the skills that work around customer service, your in uh, ability to communicate better, teamwork, those those type of things. The, the hard skills or the technical skills are the things that you need for your job. So it might be a new IT program that you need to learn. It might be a new software, uh, you know, in your environment, in your industry that is now available that you need to be technically proficient with. And the best way to do that, if your company pays for courses, those are great. But I'm a, a strong advocate for, as I always say, these free six-week courses that are run by UCT, are run by uh, Harvard, are run by Oxford, MIT, and the websites, uh, you know, are freely available. It's EDX, if you just Google it, EDX, Coursera or Harvard X from Harvard University, upskill yourself with those technical and soft skills. They have thousands of courses available. They're absolutely free. If you want a certificate, there's a few, a small fee at the end of it, but you can learn languages. You can really start doing things to be creative. Mm. Uh, apps like Duolingo. So just make sure that you keep your mind active because that is also a great contributor to dissatisfaction when mm. you yourself are not growing, when you're not cognitively engaged, when you're not acquiring new knowledge, it becomes very frustrating. And you see young people coming into the workplace. And for older people, um, and when I say older, I'm obviously older, so I can speak from that premise. But you, it's, it's almost like you feel insecure because they're coming with this new knowledge base. So make sure that you're able to converse, that you keep your own skills uh, and knowledge up to date. Yeah. The, you know, the schools that uh, say to parents, for example, who've got young children as they raise them, uh, you, be observant of what your children's talents are because, you know, they're, 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 therein lies their careers. The, your children will show you that which they like and what you need to do is nudge and encourage them to what's where their talent is. What do we then say about the issue of talent and the issue of uh, of, of strength? So importantly, um, and this is obviously depending on what the age of development of the child is, there are different uh, phases of development. And the child's interest will change many times, as mm. you know, all of us that have had children. So, you know, now they'll be interested in soccer, then they're interested in tennis, then they're interested in uh, <laughs> gaming, then they're interested in all of these things. And some of those things absolutely can become careers. I mean, some of the wealthiest people there's a 10-year-old making $2 million a year from YouTube videos. So whatever it is that they are interested in, it's that you create an environment to enable that as they cognitively develop. Remember, your brain develops until you're 25. So it's natural that as you as you're, there's a cognitive development that you will be interested in different things. So just harness that. When it comes to studying and when that child is at this critical juncture, if the child is not ready, if a child is now completing their grade 12 and they need to go and study and they say, I'm not really sure what I want to do, mm. let them do a higher certificate. They don't have to go straight into a degree and let them do something broad in commerce, yeah. a higher certificate in business studies. So they can get a, a feel of what marketing is about, what PR is about, finance. I think that's a great uh, idea. I think that's a great idea and, and, and suggestion, Dr. Mayer, because a lot a lot of kids also who are coming out of metric are, you know, uh, bombarded by people asking them the question, what are you going to do? And it's a 
big question uh, for anybody to contend with anyway generally in life, uh, but even more so when you just finished uh, your schooling system, the idea that you can do a course for six months or whatever whilst you're trying to figure out what sector you're inclined towards is a fantastic idea. Absolutely. So, so go and study that or, you know, don't be negative. Parents mustn't be negative if the child says they want to take a year off and they want to go and do a gap year working in American, uh, you know, or Europe or wherever it is mm-hmm. uh, on a study, a study visa, whatever it is, just give them that bit of time to find themselves mm. and you'll be, then they can make an informed decision. Then they can go and study. We have a very high dropout rate of people that enroll for uh, degrees and and it's not you know a lot of it and changing courses in the next year so maybe we should just give that bit of breathing space and and support our our children as they go through this journey of becoming adults and then there's those who may uh, look for employment without um, um, you know the getting the degree and having that competitive advantage of, of getting a degree what do you say to them in terms of continuously also advancing themselves so that they get on top of whatever sector they've chosen so importantly, do some of these free online courses, but also if it is that you want to go straight into the workplace, you don't want to go to university, you don't want to go and study. Mm. I really advise people to take on learnerships through the CETAs. Mm-hmm. There are 23 registered sector education and training authorities. They are listed on the Department of Employment and Labor website. You can just Google CETA. All of them will come up for the financial services, wherever, mm-hmm. and go and do a learnership with them. Take a one-year or two-year or three-year learnership. You get a qualification. You're in the workplace. You can test out different fields uh, of, of study. So just it's, some people want to be entrepreneurs. They want to immediately from school go into trying their business ventures. And that's also okay. But remember, you need knowledge. You need to understand finance. You need to understand business. Do these courses yeah. so that you have a better understanding and you set yourself up for success. So the courses are beneficial, you know, irrespective of which direction you want to take. It is always beneficial to get new knowledge. Okay. Our problem is when we get stuck in the rut, uh, yeah. when things are mundane. That's when we get bored. Yeah. And then, you know, we also always hear that uh, sometimes work is about the attitude, the mindset. Who do you yourself go there and become? Uh, you know, and, and it's, they say it's always the people with the right attitude in working environments that advance further than most. What does that mean? What does that mean, uh, you know, have a particular attitude towards work? So the attitude is about putting your hand up. When there is an opportunity to do something, whether it's in your job description or not, the be- the biggest thing employers hate is when somebody says, it's not in my job description. <laughs> so if you get an opportunity, if you look for promotional opportunities, you know yourself when there's an opportunity to promote someone, who do you look for? The person that goes the extra mile, the person that puts their hand up, the person that's open to learn skills is always there uh, to support people. So So make sure that you have a can-do attitude. And that you're positive because people don't like negative people. It doesn't matter how good you are at your job. Mm. If you are a negative uh, energy sucking person that brings the whole team down, you're not going to last long. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the salary structure. I mean, how do we 
as individuals pit ourselves uh, on what we are worth? How do we make a determination that this is my worth and this is what I'm going to be willing to accept where the money structure of this organization or this job offer or whatever is going? How do we determine what our salary structure should look like? Well, the most important thing is what the market is willing to pay for you and also what the market is paying for that particular job category. So if it is for a manager in the wholesale sector, what go and do some research about what those salary bands are. Not everyone has access to, to the own mutual REM channel, but if you know somebody in HR, ask them to look at that particular uh, benchmark and tell you what the salary range is. The next thing is, what is your credibility. In other words, what have you achieved and what does the industry recognize you for? So if you are a radio presenter that's got, uh, you know, prime time air time during the day uh, and you know that you can ask for top dollar mm. because you have a track record of success, that then puts you above market. And those are the things that you, so you'll look at this, what the benchmark is and then all of these other things that you bring your credibility, your years of experience, uh, the additional knowledge that you bring to the particular position, then you can ask for a premium salary over and above what the market is paying as a norm. Yeah, I have a text uh, <clears throat> on WhatsApp that I want to read to you because it truly reflects a lot of people in South Africa right now. Hi, KG. This is Anonymous in Guazul Natal. I just want to add something to your conversation. I have a bachelor's degree in education, and this is the fifth year now since I completed my degree, but no job. I'm registered to all the databases in almost all the provinces, but still nothing. So now I'm thinking of developing something else in my life in order to take care of my life and grow. It's hard and it's painful, but in order to live, I have to improvise now. So, I mean, and, and I think, you know, I can tie it to a question that says, because there's many of these people, right, who are graduates, who graduated in a particular sector and nothing is opening up. How do you make a detail that will be, will be, you know, tangible and, and bring results for you? Yes, so, so this is obviously a, a, a very sad situation. We have over 97,000 graduates that uh, are unemployed. And the, the primary difficulty is in many of these sectors, there are vacancies, but because of inefficiencies and bureaucracy, you know, often uh, positions aren't filled. Mm. So what the important thing is, is don't give up. Please just don't give up on your career dream. So if it is that you are registered with SACE, you registered on all the databases, you finished your education qualification, make contact with the ETDP CETA, the Education and Training Development CETA. They really have a lot of programs that could support you. And secondly, if it is that you're going to do something, like maybe you start a small nursery school mm -hmm. uh, and you only have a couple of children uh, or you do after school teaching or doing a TEFL course so that you can teach English online, uh, you know, just start looking for things that that are small, but just start getting your mind active so that you don't become despondent. Employers want to see that when they shortlisting that you are busy with these other activities because it obviously shows that you have an initi initiative and drive. Uh, and it is, it, it is a, you know, it's something that touches my heart every time I hear of a graduate that, that hasn't found a job because as taxpayers in South Africa, we, we 
we're paying. We're paying towards universities. We're paying towards education. And we want to see that our graduates are employed. But please don't give up and, and keep on seeking for those opportunities while you do these small things in the interim. Yeah. Just so that you can build your skills levels. In terms of uh, building skills levels and getting a degree of experience and, and raising your hand up, uh, does volunteerism ever count uh, in, in, in terms of the job market? Do they look at you differently when you say, I volunteered at the SABC for a year, even though I didn't get a salary, and uh, these are the skills I acquired while I was there? Absolutely. So employers want to see that they want to see that you are going the extra mile so volunteering looking for internship opportunities those are great also facilitated through the CETOs and the department of employment and labor but also we need to look to the business community and we have this wonderful yes program where graduates and and people with grade 12 are getting these internship opportunities although it's a very small stipend that they earn every month as your chances of getting a proper, your chances are improved by 50% after you have 24 months of some sort of work experience. So do whatever it is that you need to do. Even if you're walking children to and from school, even if it is that you have a after school where you're helping children with their homework, just do something small so that you can start being productive. Because the biggest thing that brings depression, as we all know, is when you don't have a sense of purpose, a sense of value, that you feel you're just, you know, floating. And yeah. there's, there's, there's no purpose. You're not adding to your family. They've invested in your education and, and nothing is happening for you. Yeah. Dr. Linda Meyer is a career and education specialist, and uh, she is our guest today as we try and uh, navigate what influences our career choices. And we've got some WhatsApps that I'm going to play and a caller. Colin, let's start with you on the line. Hi, Colin. Hi, good morning and good morning to your guest. Mm. You know, I'm talking to people now, um, young students that uh, can't find the jobs because they went to the wrong subjects and career and that and that. My advice is, look at today, what we need today. We need skills. My advice is take up an apprenticeship. Uh, any apprenticeship will give you a sort of guidance when you pass, and then you can decide after you made a little business, did your own business, plumbing, bricklaying, whatever you your trade is. Now, I started off as a boilermaker, apprentice boilermaker. After a couple of months, oh, I said to myself, no, this is too heavy work. I went to HR, I said, oh, I'm going to pack up. And I went on to something else. And I went on a couple of years, I went on to another job, all in the same department, the same government service, engineering. And I went through about 14 to 17 different positions in that in that uh, company, company engineering mm. and i spent 45 years service in the same company but i had 17 different positions so therefore if you don't like where you are you go to hr and just say okay is it possible when a vacancy comes up? Can I apply? And so I did. I watched the notice boards. When I got tired of my boss, I got tired of faces. I went to a different department for another five, six, seven years. Mm. And so I went on and on and on. That is a way to go for people. The young people take up a trade. 
going to the engineering or whatever you want to do, hairdressing, anything, you always have money in the pocket. Thanks very much. Thank you, Colin. Here's a voice note as well, Dr. Mayer. Welcome back. It's 10.45 on the Talking Point. We've been having uh, what I think is a very interesting conversations around what influences career choices with Dr. Linda Mayer because the world has drastically shifted. And of course, we ask these questions because metric results are going to be announced um, in a few days' time. And the question of career choice becomes the next big worry for a large chunk of the population. So we are in conversation with Dr. Linda Mayer, who's a career an education specialist. Dr. Mayer, COVID came and we were not expecting it, but COVID came and left indelible and lasting changes in the world of work. For example, uh, the concept of working from home was something that had never been considered by a lot of people previously, and people had to go back to the drawing board and learn skills in a short space of time that they previously may not have had. And some, as a result, are saying we're not even sure where the world is going to go. So how do kids even get ready for the careers of the future? The things that are not even, you know, are not even known will be needed in the next 20 years or so. Absolutely. So it is important to stay abreast of what the developments are in the particular sectors. We know from the United Nations, they tell us that 65% of jobs will no longer exist in its current form for people that have entered grade one. Uh, so by the time they complete grade 12, jobs will look completely different. And we can already see that with people, do, you know, medical practitioners doing operations thousands of kilometers away with robotics and technology, lawyers doing a lot of consults, uh, consultations online, doctors doing consultations online. So it really is about this evolving metaverse that we have call centers we know that a lot of ai is being introduced but at the end of the day we know statistically and empirically that people still want to speak to a problem if the ai cannot resolve their particular thing so make sure you understand the sectors that you are interested in that you understand what the developments are so that you don't find yourself working towards a career like being an architect uh, or being a, a programmer or a coder, when a lot of those things will be taken over by AI. So really, you know, it's it's waiting and seeing what's going to happen and what the developments are going to be. Yeah. We haven't spoken about your personality, uh, whether or not you're an introvert and, and or an extrovert, uh, you know, whether you're a person who is quiet or a person who's loud. When you make a decision about the world of work, is your personality something that you should even take into consideration? Without a doubt. That, that is that is a very important component when you do this job profiling or you do psychometric assessments, which I always advise people to do. It's a great investment so that you better understand who you are and what your strengths are. Many companies do this for their employees. So for introverts, we know that they don't like being in big groups. They don't like uh, being flamboyant. They don't like engaging with people as frontline staff. So important that you don't take on a job that will add further stress to you because you'll find yourself being constantly anxious, frustrated, depressed. Um, extroverts obviously like being with people. 
They like having careers that put them out there. But then we also have the hybrid individual. So we have people that do well in social settings, but they need to go off and be have time on their own to rejuvenate and recuperate. And you'll see those are the people that, for example, could be excellent facilitators or great leaders, but at night. You won't often see them going out for dinners with people, hanging out socially. They really withdraw because they need that time to regenerate and rejuvenate their energy levels uh, as they engage. So make sure that you find something that fits your personality. Mm. Otherwise, it will bring this additional stress levels. Yeah. I once did an interview on what is called the gig economy and I was completely fascinated. And in that interview, one of the things that came out was that, you know, this younger generation is more interested in gigs as opposed to making long term plans around, uh, you know, uh, work. You know, previous people would say I worked for the same company for 25 years. And in fact, at the end of the 25th year, I was given this watch or whatever the case may be and juxtapose that against young people who say, well, um, I have an ambition to travel, uh, you know, uh, and I want to be able to do something for two years and after that allow myself the space to travel for six months and then come back. How viable is that? How viable is um, the idea of being focused on a gig at a time and not making too long an investment into either a sector and or company? It's absolutely viable. And that is where the marketplace is turning to. So we know, I, I for example, when you started with a company, they would see it as loyalty and mm. employers would look very, very disfavorably on a CV when they see somebody has jumped all over. And that is starting to change because people are changing jobs so that they get higher salaries for new opportunities. And it is becoming a lot more fluid. People are working from home some of the big banks have moved particular functions uh, completely off-site. They, the people come in one or two days a week for what they call networking. Uh, so really, our environment is changing completely. A lot of people are working online and they have two or three jobs that they now have, a lot more contracting work. So so the world of work is changing. And the new generation, does we see from all of the research that is being putting being put out by McKinsey and many other of the of the big research firms that shows us that other things are now more important for people entering the world of work. They want more free time. They want flexibility. They want to be able to work at night. So we must look to the future as business leaders and as people that run organizations to ensure that we are, stay adapt with this changing environment because the world is changing. And we need to change with it. Otherwise, we're going to be left behind. Yeah. And do we all need a course in something technologically related, whether it is a a short uh, six-week course or a short six-month course or whatever? Because the one thing that, uh, you know, we know now is that, uh, you know, when the boom sometimes comes, it's so overwhelming. uh, It's difficult for a lot of people to adapt. Does anybody who considers themselves serious for any type of work need to have some sort of technology qualification? Well, yes, absolutely. You need to be skilled in technology. So even if it is those short courses we spoke about, we can't. I'm still amazed there are school where children are coming to university or coming to study and they've, they've never switched the computer on. Mm. And we all know that you cannot get a job if you don't know how to send email, if you don't know the basics of MS Word, 
and these courses are free. Microsoft gives these courses free of charge on their website. So make sure that you that you that you technically are adapt to what is happening. You can't be in an industry where there is constantly new technology and not know what you're talking about. You're not, mm. You not. You don't have to be an expert, but you need to hold your own, keep your skills abreast of developments. Because if for you know operational requirements, if people are retrenched, they look for people that are are the that the business would have the least impact in losing. So we know about last in, first out, all of those things. But the company will go the extra mile to keep particular skills that they know will benefit them and carry them through difficult times. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the traditional industries, uh, there are still traditional industries, aren't there? There are still things that as much as the world changes, certain things do not change and they will remain there. For example, people will eat food every day. People will wear clothing every day, things like that. Absolutely. So people will do. So the, the agricultural community, but if you look at the way farming happens now, they do this through AI. Mm. They know what chemicals uh, they need to do. They know what to plant. Uh, and there are big companies that support farmers. When I was at the Northwest University recently, there's incredible technology that is being outsourced, uh, you know, being implemented in, in the farming sector. So as much as we say food production will go on, a lot of things will be automated, mm. but there are jobs, as we said, that will always remain with people because currently as AI is its large language models, uh, it is databases and it extracts information. It can't think for itself on its own. So it can't, as a human, think, be adapt to specific problems, uh, dealing with things in real time. Mm -hmm. Those things will, be st it will stay with humans. And we see that people want, for example, in the healthcare profession, I don't want a robot coming to tell me what's wrong with me, uh, you know, or, or operating on me, or, or even, they might be able to do it better. Yeah. But those things just, yes, the world is changing, but people always will want that human contact. Yes. They always will want those things. So, and thinking things, advanced skins, engineering things, people will always have to sign off uh, and and those jobs will remain. Yeah. So ultimately, what you're saying is, you know, artificial intelligence shouldn't scare us so much. No, artificial intelligence uh, is is an enabling tool. So those of us that use uh, and really, if we use uh, AI technology, ChatGPT, know how wonderful it is. Because instead of paying somebody to be uh, a PA or internal communication, you can tell them draft a letter, do what ABC, uh, and it does it in real time. In a minute or two, you have something that you would wait three or four hours for. Yeah. So it's an enabling tool. It really makes our lives much easier. Yeah. Uh, so not to, to, to be uh, adverse to it at all. Yeah. And ultimately also, though, the world is increasingly connected. What technology did is increasingly connected us and, and made the world smaller. So when we talk looking for a job, we're no longer just honing in only on the dynamics of, of, of being South African. Uh, people now can look for jobs globally. Absolutely. And that is such an important point and an enabling factor that we're not limited now by the environment where we are. I, for example, have an employee that sits in the UK and does exactly what that person did in South Africa. And there is 
no, you know, there's no difference. Mm. Sometimes we have to be make allowances for time, uh, differences, etc. But the the global space is opening up, and that brings additional opportunities for us. Also, to earn, you know, forex, bring that back into the country, uh, and people don't have to leave South Africa anymore to have this international exposure which is so important to advancing their careers. Yeah. So, I mean, as we round off, round off our conversation, part of the reason why we wanted to even talk to you was because one, metric results are coming and it, it it's it's a time of a lot of angst for youngsters, a lot of angst for the parents of those youngsters in terms of what should happen next. I loved what you said earlier that there's ultimately nothing wrong with a child saying, I want to take a year out either to uh, temp here and there and figure myself out or a year out to decide which career trajectory I want to go to. So people shouldn't even have angst because there's many varied options today that perhaps we may not have even been there five years ago. Absolutely. So so make those options available. And also remember when the 19th of January comes and the results come and you haven't done great, uh, you know, you might take the year to do the second chance matric, matric program. Just go onto the Department of Basic Education's website and read it. You know, you might decide to, as you said, waitress uh, or waiter for for a year, do two or three subjects that you want to get better marks in and start focusing on on being an adult. Start focusing on having this responsibility and what it is that you want to contribute. What is your legacy going to be? What is it that you want to do? Have a plan, have a vision and start putting actionable steps in place so that you can realize that with ease. Thank you for your time, uh, Dr. Mayer. Are you on the socials if people want to follow you? Yes, I, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not on the others. I'm sorry, I'm old. That's fine. But, uh, I am on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Okay. And it's under Dr. Linda Thank Mayer on, on LinkedIn. Uh, yes, yes, it is. Thank you, Dr. Mayer. Thank you very much for your time. That's Dr. Linda Mayer, who is a career and education specialist. And as you rightfully should, actually, if you are looking for her, you should be able to find her on LinkedIn. So we're going to wind down after 11 with Didi Luzipo. Didi Luzipo is our featured artist today. And uh, yeah, we're going to track her career. She's a jazz and Afro soul vocalist. It's 11 o'clock now. Now it's time for the latest news. Leander Maome is standing by.